take that, San Diego. How about that, Figgy? The Mets win two out of three. It's a four and two homestand. We were there on Tuesday, and we have interviews with Mets Mr. Do-It-All out of the bullpen, David Robertson. We have the interview with the winning starting pitcher on Wednesday, Tyler McGill. We have you breaking down the ghost fork ball and how to throw a fork ball. This is a jam-packed episode of Amazing But True, and you also talk about not being the Long Island Ducks pitching coach. If you stay to the end, you'll hear about that and maybe a new job opportunity. Yeah, so many things to talk about. Again, the Mets are playing very good baseball right now. You get to see guys performing comfortable at home. That's what Buck Showalter told us at the beginning of this homestand. It'll be good to get the guys back at home where they're comfortable and able to do things uh, with a little bit more ease and not so much panic. So it's good to see New York on board and good to see the Mets fans didn't give up on this team yet. We talk series win, the homestand, the food, everything, the experience. David Robertson, Tyler McGill, it's all coming up on your favorite and your mother's and your pet turtle and your cat and your dog and your your uncle and your aunt's favorite Mets podcast. It's amazing, but true from the New York Post. And it's all coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Queens, Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Lindor drives the ball deep down the left field line. Headed out. And it's gone. Francisco turns on one down the left field line. It's tie the game. Alonzo smokes one to deep left center. Forget that. That is way out of here. Pete Alonzo gives the Mets the lead with his sixth home run of the year. Line toward the middle. One hopper to McNeil to Lindor on the first double play. And the ball game is over. Adovino gets the double play grounder from Machado. They beat San Diego 5-2. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast. From the New York Post, those highlights you heard are courtesy of SNY as the Mets. You know, any kind of revenge, Figgy, is great. And I'll take April revenge for now. And then maybe we'll get later revenge in October against those losers, San Diego Padres and their six-person symphony, that video that went viral of them, you know, forming a parade of like six weird guys in the streets banging a drum. So we'll get a revenge now. It's Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. Figgy, if you're watching on video, it looks like he is reporting live from the seven train platform right now. He is <laughs> has a dark city field in the background. Figgy, are you okay? And did you catch the express? Because I got the local today and it took way too long. Oh, God, that's not what you want to do. You definitely want to catch the local at any time going to city field. Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm perfectly good health and uh, weather conditions are great. What a day today, huh? 80 some odd degrees. And I had to work indoors. I think I got burned a little bit. Yes, sweet, but still you're outside at some point. So I think from the week, you know, six games, six days, it is tiring. I start to feel for these guys. 
And, you know, I'm stuffing my face with lobster rolls. They're actually playing a game of baseball. So it is exhausting. And they're playing in the sun. Like that 80 degree sun today was toasty. So I give them credit. So if a guy's in a slump, I say, you know what? I'm so sorry you had to travel and play so many days in a row. See, at least you learned to appreciate it a little bit. You're, you're, you've been spoiled. Let me tell you something. You have changed from two years ago when we used to see you out in the uh, Coca-Cola corner over there, sitting there. You caught, what was it, Jazz Chisholm's home run ball? Yep. You know, the, back in those days. Now, Jake Brown sit somewhere with the peoples? No. Actually, remember we got that when we were going up the escalator. They were all like, where are you guys going? You're not. Well, that was to you. Us. They didn't know who I was. They were like, <laughs> Nelson, what are you doing coming meanwhile, up the escalator? Meanwhile, you were the guy in the suit. and They didn't even put two and two together. Listen, not not everyone knows me. Some people in these streets do. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to Don't work worry. my way up. But, yeah, I, you're right. I've, I've become a bougie son of a bitch. It's, it's true. I'm not even going to deny it. A bougie. That's you so turned big. down free Shake Shack. You were like, mm, nah, I, I don't really want Shake Shack. I'm in the mood for like, I don't know, lobster. Caviar. You're <laughs> unbelievable. Shrimp cocktail. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the best one. Hey, can you get a hold of, no, no, no food tonight? Dang it. <laughs> Listen, I did eat, we did each have two Shake Shack burgers. I will admit I did remove the lettuce and tomato. I, I just think those make a burger worse, so I did take them off, but love a good Shake Shack burger. Anyways, yeah, six games, six days, Cadillac Club. If you can pull it off, do it once. I know it's a little pricey, but check StubHub day of and go because it is an experience, and I won't tell you the code now. <laughs> I won't say the code to get the door because my dumbass realizes that Speakeasies are are. Let's go over this. Speakeasies, yeah, speakeasies. Uh, because Jake is so young and had no idea, he just thought maybe speakeasy is you whisper or something like it's a lie. Bad in history class. I didn't realize that it was like the prohibition era and there was whole backstory to this. So thing. I tried to explain to Jake the reason it's called a speakeasy is because you don't talk about it. It's a secret that probe during prohibition when they didn't. They couldn't serve alcohol. There were places that served alcohol, but you couldn't speak about it because they would get shut down. So if you spoke about it and they found out you were the one, trust me, it was a bad thing. Meanwhile, Jake's posting it all over social media. Check it out. This is what you need to do. You do the knock on the door. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? So he learned very quickly because he got such looks all throughout the suite levels. Everybody was like, oh, there's the guy. <laughs> oh, at first I was the cannoli king. Now I'm on the speakeasy uh, king. So just, yeah. Oh, I deleted the video. So I guess the people who saw it will now know. But you still need access to get there. I guess speakeasy means speak easy about it. Like try not to sp like speak too hard about it. Well, I spoke hard already. <laughs> I was speaking hard. You even uh, spoke, you spoke hard about the urinals, bro. Dial it down. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice bathroom. Listen, I, I love my nice bathrooms. I did talk on the last episode with Colin Cosell about the Delta bathrooms and how it's a great place to take a dump in. Uh, and so is the speakeasy bathroom. Anyways, amazing but true. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. We had a great time at the ballpark, me and Figgy, on Tuesday. And we have interviews coming up later in the show with the star of the show. That's right. Mets pitcher getting the W on Wednesday. Big drip. And you'll hear about that and uh, him roasting me about my drip. So big drip and little drip. Tyler McGill will join us a little bit later in the show. We chatted with Mama McGill, who was there. She is a social media star. Uh, I don't think Tyler likes her doing interviews, so we did not interview her. But off the record, we spoke with her and just a very nice lady and the whole family there. So good to see that. And a Mets win on Wednesday as they take two or three from the Padres. And we'll air our interview with David Robertson. And I asked him about Sweet Home Alabama, which I did realize at the game today, Figgy, that is his entrance music. I thought it was. I wasn't positive. 
And uh, I'm just like, you know, you're from there. Like, have you heard it too many times? I guess it, he's right. It does never get old. I was singing along with it today. So sweet home, Alabama. For our Alabamian uh, closer, set man, whatever you want to call him, a utility role by David Robertson. And, you know, it's a big topic of this Mets team. They take two or three from the Padres and the bullpen shutting the door for Tyler McGill. Figgy, those middle relievers could give us headaches, but if Robertson, you know, going up against the middle of the order, getting four outs, setting it up for Adovito, if those two guys can be like their old selves and pitching how they have been, I think the Mets are going to be able to hopefully survive until maybe an Edwin Diaz return, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But those are the key guys that need to just absolutely dominate and be the all-stars that we know them to be. Yeah, you know, he has over 150 saves at the big league level already, and he's not overwhelmed by the situations. What I what I loved about talking with him was he's very comfortable in his own skin. He knows the kind of pitcher he is. He's not trying to do anything excessive. He's not trying to throw the ball 100 miles an hour just because everybody else is. He's throwing more breaking balls, more curve balls, which everybody throws a cutter or a slider. And he said, you know, that he feels like the slider or cutter is everybody's doing it. Got to do something a little different. So, you know, my hat goes off to him that having the uh, courage to say, you know what, I have to swim upstream a little bit and do something a little different. That curveball just sets up the hitters. They don't expect it to be so slow. They don't expect it to have that late break. And then he still has that cutter he can go to when he's behind in the count, doesn't have to go with a straight fastball down the middle. And he can elevate that fastball, of course, with two strikes for a surprise. And he gets those swings and misses or weak swings or pop-ups. And, um, you know, he's just an established pitcher, someone that I don't think, you know, we gave enough credit to. It was like a nice signing, but, you know, we didn't think that, oh, man, what if Dave, What if uh, Diaz went down? Because once Diaz went down, it was like, all right, we got to go out and go get somebody. You had somebody in here who can handle the job and has pitched in New York, has pitched in big games, and you're very, very – you're getting more and more comfortable the more you see him out there. And that's the thing. He wasn't exactly, Figgy, a luxury, per se, in getting David Robertson. But in some ways he was because you had a closer, you had another mini closer and Adam Adovino, and then you get Robertson. You're like, perfect. Now we're set. Now he's got to step up. He's got even a bigger role. And he has been absolutely sensational so far, giving up no runs because some of those other guys, you know, you worry a bit. You saw Dennis Santana give up the absolute piss missile uh, bomb on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, who hit that was Xander Bogarts, I believe, who absolutely clobbered that ball into the second Bogarts, deck. Yep. Those are the guys where you're like, oh boy, Santana, the Curtises, Rayleigh has struggled a bit. Uh, Danny, 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 Danny Reyes, Danny Wahlberg Reyes. Uh, we got to ask his pronunciation last time. And we did t- speak to Cody Sanga, who will start Friday, his translator as well. No one talks to this guy. So we had to interview him, 24 year old kid. Uh, we'll play that next week so you can hear from Sanga's translator. But yeah, this re- relief has been big. And you know what? They came up with some big boy hits on Wednesday. And Figgy, for a Mets offense that is not doing a whole ton, Big Meat Pete, pause, is doing a lot. Six homers, 12 RBIs. You know, he hit a big one Wednesday. And they're going to need him to keep doing this. We were worried when he went from, you know, fat to skinny that he would do less. He is on pace. I don't know the number, but he's on pace for something like Aaron Judge like. And the Mets offense badly is going to need him to keep performing at this level. Yeah, without a doubt. He's that guy in the middle of the lineup that makes everything go. And, you know, you're seeing better and better swings out of him. You're seeing the mistakes not being fouled back. You're seeing the mistakes, you know, ending up on the other side of the wall and in a big fashion, the the little bat flip, I'm loving it. It's not too dramatic. It just, it's his own signature. Now he takes a couple steps out of the box, 
flips it nice and tight, leaves it on the side of the uh, road as he takes his little trot around the bases. This is who he's become. He's one of the most feared hitters in baseball because he doesn't have many holes and he's very streaky like that. So he can go on a streak like this at any time. It happens to always coincide, I think, when they're at home. I feel like he just crushes balls at home um, and makes, you know, he makes the city field look small and it's not a small field at all, but it's been a special player since day one. And I remember when there was the thoughts of leaving him back to you know keep his clock from starting and um, that was the one thing that Brody Van Wagenen did and did it the right way the kid won the competition in in spring training and you put him out there and he had all that confidence brewing and all you saw this guy do was just continue to smash baseballs you know just like you know nothing had ever happened he he didn't miss time because he should have been called up the year before after hitting 30 plus home runs in the minor leagues but you know this is who he is he's a guy who can hit prolific bombs. And at the same time, his defense has gotten better, but he made a, such a great play the other day, almost got them out of that jam. Um, remember when uh, Peterson was pitching, diving to the left, running, and then diving to the bag to get the out right there. And Machado, unfortunately, foiled that one with the the double, but this is, uh, he takes pride in his work at defense. And, you know, this is a guy that I said from the beginning, you know, we thought Conforto would be that next captain because he kind of had that nice, quiet swagger and, you know, seemed to be the the veteran guy that could stay for a long time when that didn't happen. It seems inevitably that it could be a guy like Pete. I know, you know, Lindor has the longer contract, but Pete Alonso is everything you would want in a team captain because he backs it up with the way that he plays, the style that he plays. He plays hard and he loves this team. You know that every each and every time out there, he drops the uh, LFGM. Amazing but true. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, Mets take two of three. Over the Padres, Figgy, and uh, in honor of two of three, and Tyler McGill making fun of my big drip, who we hear from, you know, we wear a chain for every win in the series. So here's one. That is for Monday night, a 5 nothing win. Max Scherzer dealing, dealing so much that he only was able to go five innings over 97 pitches, but it was good to see Scherzer beat the Padres at City Field after he got his ass banked, you know, his butts banked uh, like, like someone else on this podcast has Dominic Smith grabbed my butt cheek once Yes, <laughs> after, after, and you know, the backstory that I'll say Dominic Smith, 2013 in the dugout, you know, theme of us by the dugout doing interviews, Tyler McGill, David Robertson coming up in a few minutes. So a ball rolls past the first baseman talking to Dom Smith before he's on the Mets, September call up 2013 or something. It hits me right in the butt cheek. Just it hurt. Like it was a hard, it was like, whoosh. and uh, you know, you're used to getting your ass grabbed figgy uh, by, by teammates. And, <laughs> and he just full on cuppage, like just cuppage on the cheekage cuppage on the cheekage and uh you know now i know like that's a big thing in baseball like that happened to you a lot right it's startling no, no, no startled no, actually you just get patted you get pat on the buck on the butt and they say nice job you know like you're walking by nice job a little pat on the no cuppage well cuppage doesn't little... it startling if you get spanked by like terry collins and your ass is in the jackpot and boom spank no no let's just say like again you're walking by it's just a little pat instead of pat on the back and maybe a little lower pat on the butt not a big deal we don't make a big deal out of it but when you are expressing cuppage there was some squeezage which is fine it, it was nice you know sometimes a little butt squeeze, even as dom smith was nice you know before he got to the big leagues uh it was nice yeah you know, someone tweeted is this true he's not gonna remember of course i remember he doesn't know who the hell i am but uh it was that's where that sound bite comes from 
Anyways, where were we? Mets beat the Padres. You know, the, the whole staff did a tremendous job against the Padres. You know, shut out Monday, two runs Tuesday from Peterson, and then Dennis Santana gave the bomb. And then two uh, two runs from our guy, Big Drip McGill, Tyler McGill on Wednesday. So great starting pitching. And Justin Verlander looks like he's on the mend for the end of the month. We expect him end of the month. He'll probably get a minor league start. And that's when, you know, this is just about staying afloat till you get Verlander back. We understand Verlander's age. He's coming back from an injury. But we're just going off his track record. And his track record is Hall of Fame. Like, you know, so when he comes back in this rotation with how Sanga's looked, with Max is outing Monday, with how big drip looked with Peterson, the Mets are going to be just fine. Again, they need a reliever. We get that. But if you throw in a Verlander who's, who throws, you know, we expect him first two starts, maybe five innings. But if he and Scherzer could go seven, and then Sanga goes six or seven, you're setting yourself in good positions where you're not going to have to use the Reyes's and the Santana's and, you know, those guys in the middle. So Verlander coming back is huge. And that bullpen could get a piece back. Edwin Diaz, the trumpet, has spoken. And I, you know, you'll hear Robertson later talk about my idea of a saxophone. I think he prefers his sweet home Alabama over any Kenny G entrance music. But Hearts, let's play the audio. You know, Edwin Diaz spoke to the media, spoke to Anthony DeComo and company and Puma and all those guys. And he talked about a potential return this year. And it sounded pretty encouraging. Let's listen up to what Edwin Diaz had to say. I'm feeling great. We are working hard to see if we can come back as soon as possible, but everything is going in the right direction right now with the team. And the doctors say I'm doing great, so I'm really happy. Are you going at this rehab, attempting to get back this season? You know, first of all, how they want me to to get ready, from get better my knee first, and then they will see how I'm responding in my strengths, all these things I have to do when I start throwing. All those things, if the test coming back good, I, I might throw this year. How confident are you that that's a real possibility for you? As of right now, my knee's doing great. They are really happy. So we are in a, in a good direction for that. Listen, it's April 12th. I get it. It's early. But that is, Mets fans should be encouraged by that, Figgy. And I, I think I always have said in the back of my mind, he's back in October. Like, I just, I know it. I feel it. They got lucky where the injury could have been even worse than what it was. It wasn't, it's a terrible injury, but you know, I'm no Dr. Brown here. I'm not, you know, the Dr. Brown soda that you get at Ben's kosher deli, but I do know that there is a strong chance he comes back. And if he's already encouraged in April, your hope is that September he's ramping up for a playoff run and we get trumpets in October. And that could, that, that would be the final piece on, you know, again, it's April, the final piece on a real special team in October. Everything, sky was the limit if he was going to be there for all 162 games, right? I mean, this is the best closer in baseball. And you kind of got used to him, you know, if he's a little wild, he might walk one or two, but you knew he was going to strike out three. That was just the recipe. Um, his fastball slider combination is, is unhittable at times, and that's definitely sorely missed by this team. Coming back from an injury like this, you know, what's crazy is that Steve Cohen has given him every single resource possible, you know, making sure he's eating properly, which, you know, gets overlooked. You know, I remember I came back from my surgery. I was I was depressed and eating, you know, Twinkies. 
this is taking way too long. And they said six to nine months. And there I was still eight. I was eight months and I could barely reach up over my shoulder. So I, I remember in the, in the process of it all, you know, you want to be, you know, feeling good, but it's, it's so different now. Technology is so different. Um, every year, it seems like, you know, there's a new way to, to go at this thing and to treat it and to do the therapy and, and that there's machines that move it for you, um, to, you know, start stretching it earlier than, you know, you can physically do that with the muscles because the muscle muscle go into atrophy uh, around the knee. And so that's the thing where he has to build it back up. It's not necessarily, you know, all the ligaments, tendons and, and things of that nature. And it it's the muscle around from being in that, you know, soft cast that you see him wearing um, uh, where it just looks like, you know, a contraption over his leg where it keeps it straight as possible. There's so many things that now uh, you just never know. I, I watched Billy Wagner go from Tommy John where Tommy John, when I was playing, was two years you were out. Billy Wagner did came back in eight months. And not only came back in eight months, but he was throwing 97, 98 back in eight months. And um, it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. So closers, you know, they have a different mentality. You know, they they are built different. And hopefully he's one of those guys that can heal faster. And, uh, I, I, you know, if, if he's available, there's no way that you're not going to want him uh, closing the door come October. Yeah, we'd love to have him back. Verlander, hopefully in a few weeks here, Figgy. Um, you know, Darren Ruff is back with the Giants. And of course, in his first at bat, it, RBI double off Clayton Kershaw in a Giants uniform. So that is further proof that Darren Ruff hates New York. That's, that's just that's just what the stats show you. I mean, it's unbelievable how bad that trade really turned out to be. And we get a preview of that. The Giants and the Mets is coming up. It's Oakland first, Figgy. Three at Oakland, three at the Dodgers, four at the Giants for the Mets return home you know i i need this 10 day home with this road trip away from the stadium ballpark food you know gaining weight i could see it on my face it's getting chunkier so i'm glad they're hitting the west coast enjoy the west coast oakland has been terrible the mets it's just about winning series again until verlander gets back take two out of three would love a sweep here and you know we expect to have daniel murphy on the next episode so uh, you know, hopefully he comes through and that happens. We'll recap that Oakland series, the Dodgers, and then you get Conforto, JD, Darren Ruff, and you know, they're all going to be probably in the lineup for those four games. You know, the Giants, if they're smart, they have them all in there and they try to seek their revenge. That's a 10 game road trip. And it begins with Code Sanga. Code Sanga. I keep saying his name wrong. And his lovely translator. Well, Sanga's got that ghost fork ball taking over the world. Ghost fork ball t-shirt from Athlete Logos that big drip Tyler McGill had on as well. And Figgy broke down. And, you know, if you want to see the visual of this, because it's probably better on video, you could watch this on our New York Post Sports YouTube page right now in the full show, which we recommend you do. Uh, or, you know, watch the YouTube clip, watch on social media at Amazing But True, at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy and Why. You broke down how to throw this fork ball, how you threw it, and we'll watch that right now, and we'll listen to that right now. We talked with Big Drip about the ghost fork ball. You did throw a fork ball at one point in your career. I'd love for you to show our viewers and listeners how you threw it and what made it an effective pitch. Well, the idea is you kind of, same thing as your grip as your fastball, right? You go based off that. So two-seam fastball would look like this. What you do is you just spread it a little bit wider. So you're using that part of the inside part of your finger to let the ball go through like that. So instead of getting spin on the ball and making the ball backspin with your fingers, you have the ball here between them and it just pops up through it and it has very little friction. So the idea is that as it's cutting through the wind, at some point that friction is gonna take over and it's almost like a knuckleball, it'll dive down. That's why there's no real 
there's no real command thing to it. You throw it and you just know it's gonna move. You're not sure exactly, it's gotta be down and away or down and in on command. You can give it a little bit of a push, but the best ones that are thrown are kind of thrown with equal pressure, comes out right through the middle. And there is a little bit of growing, uh, growing pains with it when you go to a Major League Baseball. He came from Japan, the baseballs were a little bit different. They were a little bit bigger, he said. So it took him a little while to get the feel for that ghost fork ball. It's working great now. For me, coming from the minor leagues to the big leagues, seams are bigger in the minor leagues. In the big leagues, the seams are a lot flatter. And the reason they do that is so you can't spin the ball nearly as quick. And also, when you're throwing that fork ball, all you're trying to do is have the arm speed of a fastball, you're selling a fastball, and it just drops out of the zone, swings and miss. And speaking of minor league and major league balls, you know, the we saw Francisco Alvarez, I forgot to mention Tuesday, looked over match against Josh Hader. I mean, the high heat. And, you know, I said this on the last episode with him playing only once or twice a week. I worry that he's going to try to do too much. He's going to try to hit that big homer. And he came up in a spot where a single ties the game, a homer wins the game. And he looked like he was trying to go for the homer or at least the hit too much where he was swinging at pitches high. He was, he had a couple of good fouls. He fouled him behind the plate, but you know, he was trying to do a lot there. And I worry that he's going to do a lot just like Eduardo Escobar is trying to do a lot because he has Brett Beatty sniffing, you know, for his spot right now. I mean, Eduardo Escobar is hitting one Oh three. He's four for 39. Brett Beatty's hitting three thirty three, three homers, seven RBIs in triple a right now. So there's two different positions here. There's the Alvarez trying to get his chance and there's Escobar trying not to lose his job. You know, Escobar is a veteran. We don't worry about that as much. But I worry that with Alvarez playing so little, he's not going to be as successful as if he were playing every day. Yeah, he just – I haven't seen him look comfortable at the plate at all in his career. Thus far. So you think he, he's not ready? He, not that he's not ready. I just I just feel like he he's swinging as if he needs to hit 10 home runs with one. Every swing, you know what I mean? Like it's going to somehow ooh and ah them and prove that he belongs. And it, it it won't do it with one game. There won't be one game where you're like, okay, he belongs here. You know, they know he has the talent and he plays baseball. The, 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 the dimensions don't change down at the minor league level. He's still facing pitchers throwing 98 miles an hour from 60 feet, six inches. And the fences are just as far. And, but he's always been a prolific uh, home run hitter down in the minor leagues. Cause he's comfortable there. And he's, he's, you know, he knows there, there's no going back down. He's not going down to double a, he's not going down to a single a, you know, he just kind of knew that, you know, if he just, did what he's capable of doing. He's very talented. You can't be ranked in the top 10 in Major League Baseball as a prospect and not be extremely talented. The biggest thing for him is it just doesn't look like he's comfortable. It seems like, you know, like, oh, haters, listen, you're talking about plus-plus fastball, left-handed, when you haven't faced it before and the ball doesn't have any downward trajectory to it. It just almost seems like a riser. You saw him swing and miss at the first two where it was not even close. And then all of a sudden he got, you know, he fouled that one back and he wished he could have just put a little bit more barrel on it. All I kept saying from there is, man, if he throws him a breaking ball, he's going to spin him right into the dirt. But he overpowered him with the fastball like Hader does. And you the thing was, Hader was wild figure that inning. So like he should have known I had a better plate discipline there and he's still young. I get it. But he was so wild to the point where Mark Canna, that was like a 20 minute at bat because they were reviewing it, seeing what was going on. He struck out on a pitch that hit him. That only happened, I thought, in video games. And, you know, that could have been base load and no one out. So I, I thought Alvarez could have done a better job kind of waiting for his pitch. But again, I thought he, he wanted to kind of play hero there. I would love to be able to see him play for a week uh, because it, it, you give him one game, you know, even every third or fourth day, 
it just you're not going to see this kid get into a rhythm. So I think they're waiting for him to have, you know, a two hit game where they're like, let's give him another game in a row, see what it's like. But if he struggles, it's like, well, we got to win a game, especially if you want to win series. Right. We got to win a game. So I think any time that they win the series early, boom, you go right to Alvarez. But if he's able to do well that third game and say they sweep, then you give him the next game. So let's see if he can build on that. You know what I'm saying? I think Buck is just it, it, Buck is a master when it comes to this. You're talking about a guy who's playing chess, not checkers. So he knows way more than we'll ever know about how to do this. But he actually said in the press conference as well that he's waiting to see the superstar Alvarez. He's been hearing about it. You know, he's been reading about it, but he hasn't seen it at the big league level. You will take a blue base hit in the ninth inning to tie the ball game rather than seeing a kid swing for the fences and just missing. You can say just miss all you want. You All you care about is if that guy is able to come through in the clutch. Clutch hitting still, in, in my mind, is going to you know be something you talk about for years to come rather than remember that one home run he hit last year off the curveball at 112 miles an hour. I'm still waiting for that guy to show up because he's a complete hitter down in the minor league level. I was praying for that single there and tying it because Hader was kind of all over the place there. But the Mets lost that game of the first inning. Base low to no one out. You put no one home. You know, we're talking to Rajay Davis there who's in the building. Great to see Rajay who will be on the show at some point. I'm sure one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, you knew that game was lost in the first inning. Tomas Nino's not doing himself any favors. Three for 24, hitting 125. So if Nito continues to struggle, maybe that is the time we see Alvarez. But like you said, he when he does play, he's got to have that one, like, two-hit, two-RBI game. And then you ride him. You know, you're not going to do three in a row. He's usually a day game after night game, so you're going to see a switch there. But he's got to kind of earn his shot in the limited time that he'll get. Well, Tomas Nito and Francisco Alvarez are catchers, and they catch Tyler McGill, and Tomas Nito caught Tyler McGill on Wednesday, and we caught him on Tuesday night on the field, and we spoke to him. And here's our conversation with Mets starting pitcher, Tyler McGill. Big drip. They call me Lil Drip because I try. Most of my That's chains are fake, call you that. but uh, yours are real. <laughs> Do you have like a whole closet full of chains? Like what's your chain collection like? None, just my little $250. Sterling Silver. Mine might be more expensive than his. And yeah, I, I'm broke. Real. I'm a, I don't know if that's real. I don't pop the chain. I don't need to. Oh, <laughs> he hides the chain. Uh, excited to be pitching against the Padres tomorrow. Your family's here. It's got to be a cool, beautiful day. And, uh, you know, a playoff preview potentially. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's a good matchup. And, you know, a team like this, you know, it's fun to go go out there and pitch against them. You know, you got one of the better lineups in the, in the league. So, I mean, this is what it's all about. It's going out facing the best. And, you know, competing. What's it been like getting a chance to actually work alongside some of your idols growing up? Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing. I'm, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to be in the position I am and learning from future Hall of Famers. And then on top of that, just the more veterans that we have in our pitching staff, you know, just I'm learning a lot and I'm just trying to absorb as much knowledge as possible about how to go about the game and, you know, scouting and everything like that. You're here sporting the Ghost Forkball T-shirt. I believe that's Athlete Logo. Shout out to them. They do a good job. Um, Like, have you faced it yet? Have you gone up against it? And have you ever seen a pitch anywhere close to it? To the Forkball? No. Not at all. No, the only thing I've seen that was pretty gnarly was Max Fried's curveball when I got the hit in 21 against over Atlanta. Has he taught you? Have you asked him, like, hey, can you uh, give me some pointers on the grip and everything? No, no, not at all. That's not in my, my repertoire. You know, maybe one day if I need it. <laughs> yeah, what's the one thing that you've taken away from working with either Scherzer or Verlander? Um, is it just one thing or is it just uh, like a multitude of things? It's multiple things. I'd just say more so learning whole scouting report kind of deal and how to figure out a game plan going into 
that day for pitching, you know, pitching to my strengths, their weaknesses and whatnot, and just, you know, dialing that in and, you know, making a better game plan for that day when I'm going in to pitch. Have you got used to the pitch clock? I've said on the podcast, umpires have like a new sign language for every violation. They're doing the YMCA out there. Have you got accustomed to this new pitch clock and all these new rules yet? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty routine, pretty simple. I mean, the only thing I'd say is obviously with no runners on, you can't step off or your violation. And I had it happen last outing where it was 2-2 count. I was like trying to shake to a pitch that I wanted and time ran out. I actually get marked for that. Or a batter gets a one time per at bat kind of deal. I think pitchers should probably get you know one step off instead of the, just a two with runners on. Like okay, but like with no runners on. If you're trying to shake to a pitch, you're kind of out of SOL on that. Mets fans are drooling over Francisco Alvarez. What do you think of the kid so far? He's awesome. I love him. He's just uh, a bundle of joy. You know, he's got a great attitude and you know a lot of potential and you know a lot of a lot of good stuff going for him right now. And uh, I love talking to his mom. His mom's very nice. His mom does photography as well. Shout out to her doing photography out there in California and weddings and babies and lions and tigers and bears and babies. Oh, my. Um, so shout out to Mama McGill, who is big in the Twitter sphere. And, you know, we talked about Sweet Home Alabama. We talked about David Robertson and the role that he's played for this team. He has been great. What a cool guy. And his kid on the field, he's got that real southern twang. You know, I think of Alabama, sweet home Alabama. I think of my guy, Ruben Stutter, Mr. 205. That's me and him. We share that. Two big fellas. Definitely one... not 205, bro. Well, well, my birthday is February 5th. So ah, the joke okay. is I'm Mr. 205 because I'm like a minor league pit bull as bald and, you know, <laughs> so and my birthday. Jake. You, I'm not 205 yet. If the season keeps going as it is, I won't get ever to 205 again, but I'm trying to get down by the end of the year to 205 pounds. I'm around 227, 228. Uh, I haven't weighed myself since the beginning of the homestand, so we'll, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, back to the task on hand. David Robertson has been fantastic. Will he change his entrance music to Kenny G? Here's our conversation on the field with Mets setup man, closer, do it all. David Robertson. What's better about Queens than the Bronx besides everything? Uh, the traffic seems a little easier to get here. <laughs> that's, that's a big plus. What's the difference been? Are you loving your time here versus playing for the Yankees? What's the difference? I am. You know, I've always enjoyed the uh, Subway Series. It's been one of the most fun times, things you look forward to, mainly because you don't got to travel and you get to play in an intense environment and it's just for bragging rights in the city. Uh, now I'm on this side and I'm hoping to give the Queens fans bragging rights. What do you think is the key to, for your success as a closer right now in this part of your career? Just, just throwing strikes. I mean, I'm not I'm not blowing anybody away with stuff I've got these days. Um, you know, I'm trying to be a control freak and, and to not give up, you know, hard contact. Um, we've got a great defense behind us this year, so I'm just trying to make guys put balls in play and be on the attack right from the get-go. Did you uh, try to harness that Mariano cutter at any time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we threw – we throw the ball very similar, um, but, you know, I, I rely on a lot more breaking stuff than he does. So, you know, it seems like everybody's figured out how to throw that cutter now. So i kind of got to mix and match and throw what else I can. But throw everything I've got at him. It's working. So when Edwin Diaz went down, I had the idea of let's have David Robertson come out to, like, Kenny G in a saxophone. Because it was all about the trumpets. Have you given any thought to an instrumental kind of song like uh, that to run out to? No, I have not. Uh, I don't know if that one would quite work here. I feel like it's pretty tough to top the trumpets. I mean. I've been here and seen him come into that, and it's unbelievable. It's, that's, that's, 
That's probably the greatest entrance for a closer I've seen. Well, you're from Alabama originally. I am. I am. About Exclusive. estimate LA, of how Alabama. many? T- yeah, the other, <laughs> LA. How many times have you heard "Sweet Home Alabama" and you are you sick of the song at this rate? I never get sick of that song. It's like Tennessee <laughs> fans it's never get song. sick of Rocky Top. You know, I, you, you hear it, you love it. Indeed, I think that's all that we got for you, brother. All right, uh, Buck Showalter was his first manager. He just walked by. What do you love about Buck? I mean, he seems like a baseball genius and just a good dude and a fun dude. We see a lot of funny commentary from him. What do you think of Buck? He, I love him. So you know, being playing against him for a long time, you look at him on the other side of the field and you feel like, man, that guy's probably a jerk. And then you meet him, that guy, he's hilarious, and he's just completely different than anything I thought. All right, last one. Rate my fit, and do I belong at Belmont right now? What do you think? I feel like you're pretty close. I feel like you might need one of those hats, though, right? I should have brought the top hat. Yeah. I forgot it. I, I feel like there's tags somewhere in there. <laughs> no, I cut them off. I cut them off. I cut them off. All right, David Robertson. We had Tyler McGill. We had the Ghost Forkball explanation. Mets in Oakland's weekend. So we'll close out. Amazing but true. Next. Great job by Bill, our groundskeeper. All right, Figgy, that'll say goodnight to episode 136 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, and the intern, Josh Crawford, for producing the show as always. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch all episodes. Find that Amazing But True playlist, and you'll see all episodes, our player interviews, and clips. Give us a thumbs up below on YouTube and comment below. Let us know what was your favorite food at City Field on this opening homestand. Follow us on Twitter at AmazingButTrue, at FiggyNY, and at Jake Brown Radio. So I like the uh, mini lobster rolls were solid. Didn't really do a full tour. As you said, I was a little bit bougie, but uh, the Cadillac Club food is is good. It was um, for people who go, you basically had like these spicy little wing concoctions. There's the word concoction again. Some bread concoction with prosciutto. Is they say prosciutto? Prosciutto? Prosciutto. 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 Uh, prosciutto. <laughs> hot dogs. You had uh, another concoction, a mac and cheese lobster fritter. It's like those balls. Uh, I like that word, fritter. Oh, that was the word. I'm glad you. that was the word you were liking. Fritter. You know, these, these are outside the speakeasy, so I could speak hard about them. <laughs> And it was uh, unlimited beer and wine there. And each seat has a little port for a phone charger. You can charge your phone and there's TVs and it's like you're sitting on like a lounge chair. It's very nice. So that was some of my highlights of the six games in six days for Nelson Figueroa. I am Jake Brown. We'll close with this, Figgy. The news that I missed on Twitter that I found is that you will no longer. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of grand opening, grand closing. I'm I'm trying to think of the era, like what Nick or what Met like played or like got traded there and then never played or something. Uh, Basically, Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry. I was going to say the same thing. He had even had a few at-bats, at least. He had no hits, though. You have no uh, games as Long Island Ducks pitching coach. You have stepped down, in the words of the Ducks, to pursue broadcast media opportunities. What happened? Yeah, I never lost a game as the pitching coach in uh, Long Island. It's a good thing. Um, What happened? Basically, what happened was I had interviewed for a position uh, in TV broadcast media back in October and I guess the show just got greenlighted this past month and they reached out to me and they said they wanted me to come aboard and I tried to make everything work where I could do a little bit of I could do some coaching and still uh, do television but it didn't look like it was going to work out because like most people don't know 
uh, as a pitching coach or as a coach in professional baseball, they play 132 games in 150 days. So there really is very little downtime. 18 and they weeks. pay you in chicken nuggets. That's that's your form of payment. It's, actually. it's, it's yeah, it's very close to chicken nugget <laughs> money. Um, honestly, the, the pay isn't why you're doing it. You're doing it, you know, because you love, love the to, game. You love well, you love to coach. You love to be around the game. I mean, getting to be around Wally Backman all season long, man, that that book in its own, I would have been able to write at least three books of um, well, Adventures with Wally. That's probably what it would have been called. Um, but alas, I wasn't able to do that. But um, stay tuned. Um, there'll be an announcement here shortly about uh, where you'll be able to see me next. And uh, of course, on the podcast every Monday, normally Mondays, there's going to be a chance to see me a lot more on television uh, here in the upcoming months. Monday's show. I think we should be breaking that news. I, I would hope you save that for the podcast. Let's break it on Monday's podcast. Just for you, Jake. Thank you. When we record Sunday night, we'll break the news where Figgy ends up on the television screen. So hopefully Monday all that and maybe a special guest as well. Congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, they actually pay you in Chuck E. Cheese vouchers in the minor leagues. Uh, <laughs> where, where once a week, you get to uh, you dress in the rat costume and then get free pizza vouchers. So congratulations <laughs> on that. That's just me, but it is accurate. You yeah, do do it for the true. love of the game. But listen, people know minor leagues, just they don't pay a lot. That's why it was such a big deal that Major League Baseball came to that agreement that these players are going to get a lot more. A lot more is still not a lot, but they're getting, but they're getting a lot more but, money. Yeah, their salaries are going to double. And, um, you know, it's, it's only right. I think uh, the, the beginning of this whole thing where they were trying to say that minor league baseball is like an internship. Again, you're playing too many games and too, too little days with no days off. At the same time, you're at the ballpark from two o'clock in the afternoon to 11 o'clock at night. Um, that's not an internship. That's not something that you're doing as a hobby. But they kept saying, you know, well, the reward is if you make it to the big leagues. Truth is, only 5% ever make it to the big leagues. There's only been, there's been roughly just over 22,000 human beings who have ever played Major League Baseball. So it's a very, very small fraternity. And um, I'm glad to see that finally Major League Baseball is taking care of those guys at the minor league level who, you know, for a lot of cities down in the minor league level, they, they're the one thing in that city. They're the one that thing that keeps that city afloat, their economy and everything else. So... They cut out a lot of teams um, in the minor leagues. This uh, decision to, you know, uh, really be able to support them and give them a collective bargaining agreement is really going to help them out immensely. Um, and it's, you know, makes it fun to be a minor leaguer again and give it a chance. I think that's why Murphy's coming back. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I would hope that's why because, you know, he, he's in the off season. He's not out here working at Dick's Sporting Goods selling fishing rods and Mets NLEs champion T-shirts at the strike of midnight when it happens. So a lot of these guys hopefully don't have to have a side job as you know deuce bigelow male gigolo in the off season as uh, i think we talked about that a few weeks ago with i forget who for nelson figaro we are going off the deep end for nelson figaro andrew hartz i'm jake brown we will be back on monday we'll break figgy new job news we'll have a guest and we got lots more cooking in the coming weeks we have Cody sangas translator on the show coming up as well the mets go to oakland and we'll hit the hay. We'll go to bed now. It's been a long day. It's been a long home stand. Mets 4-2, and 7-6. And, and everything's good and gravy. I told you not to panic. It is too early to panic. And after a series win, Figgy, we got to close out this episode of Amazing But True as we do best with our favorite three words. And it's not I love lobster. It is let's, let's go, go Mets. Close enough. Dominic Smith grabbed my butt cheek once. Cuppage on the cheekage.